Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. What's up, everybody? Al Sacco here for the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. As always, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And you can find me on Twitter at AlSacco49. And you can email us at nohuddle at 49erswebzone.com. So you may be thinking one of two things. One, where's Zane? Well, Zane's a little bit under the weather today, so he's not able to join us for this show, but he will be back for the next one. And the second thing is you may be thinking, didn't you guys just put out a show? You usually do one a week. That's true, but we actually had a big opportunity and we wanted to take advantage of it. Um, we were able, courtesy of the 49ers PR department, to be able to interview Dakota Watson. And we couldn't wait to talk to him um, about his time with the 49ers, his coaches, his teammates, what it's like to be a mentor for him to some of these young guys and what the future holds. And also, I want to take some time to talk about uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo contract situation, um, the amount of national attention that I think the Niners are going to get this offseason, and also a little bit about Frank Gore. So I wanted to touch base on all those things. But before I do that, here is the interview with Dakota. He's an eight-year NFL veteran and a special team standout. We're pleased to welcome to the show 49ers linebacker Dakota Watson. Dakota, thanks for the time. Oh, thank you. How you doing? Good, doing really well. Um, now you were you were a seventh round pick of the Tampa Bay Bucks in 2010, and it can be an uphill battle battle for later round picks in the NFL. But here you are, all these years later. What does it say about you that you were able to carve out almost a decade long career in the NFL? Oh, I just had a chip on my shoulder. Um, really, I was just upset about being drafted that late, and but at the same time, it, you know, things happen for a reason. Uh, overcame some injuries, overcame, you know, a lot of diversity. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed and fortunate to be here now. And you chose to sign with the 49ers in free agency. Can, can you take us through the decision process and why you chose San Francisco? Uh, chose San Francisco. Uh, had a lot of coaches that I had played with in the past. Coach Half, uh, Coach Sala was my uh, linebacker coach in Jacksonville, uh, special team coach. Coach Hightower, he coached with Coach Jody, which was my special team coach in Denver. Um, coach Luca Boo, I played with him in uh, Tampa. And like I said, I mean, it was just a lot of connections there, and I felt comfortable with the system. I seen where they was trying to go. And uh, not even to mention a GM. For him to, you know, to see him at Tampa, to see him in Denver, and to be able to play under him, I think it was a phenomenal opportunity. So I just wanted to take advantage of it and you know, prolong my career. And did you talk to John Lynch personally when you were deciding to sign? Uh, I had a chance to talk to him like once I got there, and yeah, I man, it was just good things, good things. And I always respected the man, and you know, he talked to me, and you know, had you know a little relationship outside of football, and I and I enjoyed it. Now, in the first half of the season, the team so much seemed so much better than their own nine record, but it seemed like you just couldn't catch a break. How frustrating was that? And how did the coaching staff hold things together and keep things positive? Well, one thing I can say, we was always hungry, you know, with the coaching staff, with the players. We always came out, you know, wanting to do more. You know, it was never enough. I mean, people sit here and, you know, call and tell us, oh, you was doing so good. You're doing so well. You know, you're only losing by three, two points. And it was never enough. We never got comfortable. We never got satisfied until mm-hmm. we got a win. And even now, we're still hungry and want to prove more and more. Just wish we had more games. But with the games that we still have, we're taking full advantage of it. And, you know, want to you know, 
definitely set uh, a standard going into next season. Does that eat away at you a little bit because you're playing so well right now? And honestly, you're probably one of the best teams in the NFL the way you're playing. You just kind of wish you had a couple more games to, to kind of get into the playoffs or just, just make you even more hungrier for next year. Yes, absolutely. So, like I said, we're just going to finish out this, this this season the best that we can and just be able to you know, go out and be prepared for next year. And the defense has played really well this year under Robert Sala, and you said he, w- he was your coach before. What are your thoughts on the job he's done getting you guys acclimated to the new system? I think he's doing a phenomenal job. Um, like I say, with us being that home, the coaches were just as home, and, you know, with him coming in and his first uh, his coordinated job, I think he's doing very well, uh, keeping us cool about the whole thing and being able to motivate us to be able to uh, play at our best ability. It really shows, you know, his leadership and you know how we feel about him personally to be able to play week in and week out. And the young talent on this defense is exciting. When you look at guys like rookies like Reuben Foster, Solomon Thomas, uh, Witherspoon, Adrian Colbert, what's it been like as a veteran mentor for you to mentor some of these young guys coming in? Oh, I think it's phenomenal. A lot of guys, uh, Solomon and uh, DJ, Peter, there was a few in the ID line room. Very humble guys, guys that are willing to listen, you know, don't think they're too high or, you know, looking down on others just because, you know, there's high draft picks. But for that being, for that to be said, I mean, I feel like that's going to prolong their career and have a bright future for them because they're willing to listen. And, uh, you know, I think that's very wise. And it's showing out there on the field, Solomon, he's doing a heck of a job this year. And um, I look forward to, to all of them in the near future. What about your thoughts on the arrival of Jimmy Garoppolo? How much did he energize this team? And, and can you give us your thoughts on what he's meant to you on the field? I mean, it shows. I mean, numbers don't lie. I mean, the guys don't number the job. Being able to play at a high level and not get caught up in all the hype with him coming in and you know, not worrying about the record and things like that. I mean, like I say, with him coming in, you wouldn't even think that we only won, what, four, four, four games. And, you know, with his help, I mean, it just says a lot. And what are your overall thoughts on Kyle Shanahan, his first year as a head coach? What, what can you say about Coach Shanahan and the job he's done this year? I think he's doing a phenomenal job. With him, the way he chose his coaches, the way he, he chose the players and things like that, they're definitely looking to, to set a new and higher standard around here. And uh, Coach Kyle is you know, one of the coolest coaches I know. And very, very smart as far as the offense is concerned. I mean, I've learned so much under him. And I'm a defensive player. <laughs> You're right, right. Getting a feel of, yeah, getting a feel of because he's so detailed in his work and it rubs off tremendously, you know, even if you're not an offensive player. So, you know, I'm blessed and fortunate to be able to, to be here and to be able to learn more and more, you know, about football in general. And, and does it just raise the game in practice because he is so good at calling plays and scheming that it just raises, you know, the defense's play? Right, and it makes it fun. It really makes it fun. So, you know, we'd be able to utilize that and and bring it out on, onto the game field when we do go against offense like his every day. And Dakota, before we let you go, the Seahawks and the Rams right now have been kind of the measuring stick this year in the NFC West, but it seems like you guys are really on the way up. Do you feel as a team that you guys are ready to step up and challenge for this division next year? I mean, like I say, I don't want to speak too far ahead of myself. What we're, not, what we're focused on now is uh, going to play the Rams and we're going to focus on that game. Um, when the season come around, we'll see how things go. Um, you know, things look great on paper. Things look, you know, promising right now. But at the same time, 
you never know what's going to hold in the future. All I know is that we're going to play and work our butts off to be the best that we can be whenever the opportunity shows up. And that starts now with the rounds and then the offseason program, and we'll go from there. Good stuff. All right, Dakota, we really appreciate the time, and good luck to you this weekend. Yes, sir. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to Dakota Watson and the 49ers PR department for putting that together for us. 49ers PR has been great to us and they continue to support us. And, and we really appreciate that. And we appreciated that Dakota was able to give us the time as well. So moving forward, I, I did mention that I want to talk about a few things. And, and first and foremost, I do want to talk about Garoppolo's contract situation. Now, Zane and I touched on it a little bit in the last show, but Adam Schefter was on KNBR with Murph and Mac, and he said a few things that I thought it was interesting and just wanted to react to it. So I'll start by quoting Schefter here. First of all, there's a great relationship between both sides, and I would say that they'll be having conversations. This is what Schefter said to Murph and Mac. Prague Marathe and Garoppolo's agent Don Yee have a great relationship, and it's something that I think will be very, very amicable moving forward. I would think that, they, that they'd have discussions. I would think that they would sit down and meet perhaps in person at some point, maybe in Indianapolis, which would be at the scouting combine. Usually the agents have to go there for the agent recertification meetings. All teams are in attendance. There are a lot of meetings that go on there. I don't think it's a real difficult deal to get done if that's the direction the Niners want to go in. I really don't. If Jimmy Garoppolo is such a lofty, has such a lofty lumber in mind that it's not palatable for the 49ers, then maybe at that point you use the franchise tag. But I think Don Yee has shown over time that he's very willing to do deals like this, very capable of doing deals like this, very good at doing deals like this. It should not be a difficult negotiation. Now, we kind of knew that heading in, that this is where this was headed, but it's, it is reassuring to, to hear someone like Adam Schefter say that this deal is going to get done. The only way it doesn't get done is if, for some reason, like Schefter said in the quote, if Garoppolo has this crazy number in his head, and maybe he will to start off with and kind of wants to bet on himself for a season. But you have to think that Garoppolo knows he's, he's in a good situation now with the 49ers. He may not have known that when he accepted the trade, but now that he has had some time to work with Kyle Shanahan, he's seen how John Lynch does things. He's seen how well the team has played with him. You know, it's one thing if he went in here and was getting his brains beaten in and, and the team was losing and not doing well, but they're one of the hottest teams in the league. Right now, you have to think all signs are pointing to this deal getting done, and Garoppolo's got to know who else is better to work with than Kyle Shanahan? Even for those people who are, you know, kind of the conspiracy theorists who say like, oh, what about the Patriots? Well, there's a good chance Josh McDaniels gets another job um, this season anyway, gets a head coaching job somewhere in this offseason. So throw that out the window. The Niners can lock him up for the next two, even three years with the franchise tag if they have to. And, and, and this deal is going to get done. And I, and I do agree with what Adam said about the scouting combine or um, that is a good place when, when the agents are there in Indianapolis, the Niners can sit down and figure that out should be a good place to get the deal done. And, and I can see it happening this offseason sooner than later. And the Niners can then go on to their free agent plan, um, see who they're going to sign. Because again, if they have that number for Garoppolo, if they can get him signed, they know what they're going to be paying, paying him. Then they can go out, attack free agency, attack this draft. And all of a sudden, this team is going to be the hot team going into 2008 and 18. And I was watching Good Morning Football this morning, and, and Peter Schrager was talking about how much he thinks the national media is going to be on the 49ers in this offseason. And Kay Adams mentioned that, you know, comparing the Niners to the Rams, the Niners haven't had that offseason that the Rams got to have yet, where they brought in the free agents, where they brought in, you know, they had the draft ready to take that next step. That's going to be this offseason for the 49ers. And I do think that the Niners are going to be the media darlings this off season. And listen, you got to be careful of that. And you got to pump the brakes with that because 
the Tampa Bay Bucks were the media darlings going into this offseason, and they didn't play very well. They didn't play very well at all this year. So when you go into that, there's a there's a lot that can happen. Obviously, you know, Jameis Winston didn't have as good of a year for for Tampa Bay this year, but I don't think Tampa Bay has what the Niners have. I don't think Winston's the type of quarterback that Jimmy Garoppolo is. I don't think Dirk Carter is even close to the kind of coach Kyle Shanahan is. Listen, Kyle Shanahan's one of the best play callers in this league, and you see what he's doing with an elite quarterback right now. So yeah, I, I really do believe that the Niners are going to be that hot team this year and expect to hear a lot about them, especially if they signed a, a big free agent here and there. They make a, a couple good picks in the draft, and there's no reason to think that they won't do well in the draft. Look what they did in the draft this year. Solomon Thomas, Ruben Foster, Akilah Witherspoon in those first three rounds. Those guys are all big pieces on the defense. You have a big piece on the defensive line. You have an all-world linebacker. You have a guy who right now is your number one corner in those first three rounds. You have a backup QB in in C.J. Beathard. The fifth and uh, round picks of George Kittle and Trent Taylor turned out fantastic. Kittle, Kittle's got 39 receptions, second among all rookie tight ends. Taylor has 41 receptions, third among all rookie receivers. These guys, while they may not be stars, they're definitely going to be contributors to this offense moving forward. And then you look at Adrian Colbert in the seventh round, who I believe is going to be the starting free safety next year. He's, he's played that well. And then you have guys who are still developing, Peter Tamupenu, um, DJ Jones. These are guys who can contribute moving forward. It, it looks that way anyway. And we'll see what Joe Williams does um, next year when he gets off IR. And we've seen what they did with the undrafted free agents. Kendrick Bourne producing. Matt Breida may be the starter next year. Um, they've just done a tremendous, just to name a couple undrafted free agents that they've brought in. So there's no reason to think that the Niners can't continue to build this in the offseason because they showed this offseason that they can. Even the free agents that they brought in, whether at the beginning of the year where we're like, oh, you know, what do we know about Marquise Goodwin? Well, Marquise Goodwin has taken off once the quarterback has come in and he's had a terrific year and, and he's closing in on a thousand yards and Pierre Garcon will be healthy next year. And I, and I still think that they need another receiver. They really do need that high end number one type receiver And whether they go out and try to sign somebody in free agency, uh, Devonte Adams, throw that name out there, or they maybe draft someone. They still do need that piece on offense, but they've certainly put other good pieces around them. And of course the pass rusher will be a big thing this off season too. So One other thing I wanted to hit on was uh, Frank Gore. Now, I mentioned um, in the beginning that there were some things I wanted to say about him. And really, the main thing is with Gore is they did an article on Monday Morning Quarterback. And what he said in the article was that he misses San Francisco and he never wanted to leave. And we've gone over that before where it was a thing where, you know, when I was on the conference call, actually, with Frank Gore before the, um, the 49ers played Indianapolis this season, you know, he said at first he was bitter. He was when he left and he said that's gone away and, you know, there's nothing but love for the franchise, but the way it was handled by Trampalki, you know, left a sour taste in his mouth. And and I understand that, you know, Gore was an all-time 49er. I, th- I think Gore is a hall of famer. And anytime you lose someone like that and they go on to another team, you know, it, it hurts and it hurts the fans and, and that player may not want to leave. But as much as I listen, I am not a Trent Belke apologist. I, I've been as critical of him as anybody. I think that he ruined the 49ers. But when you look at the decision on Gore, I don't know that I necessarily disagree with it that much because Gore was 31, I believe, at the time. That's ancient for running backs. To think that this guy's come out and, and put out three solid seasons like he has, he gained a thousand yards last year. 900 something the year before and he's he has an outside chance at a thousand this year um it's crazy to think that he's done that at 32 33 34 years old and there's no way the Niners could have known that 
So I don't really think it was a bad move to move on from him as they wanted to move on to Carlos Hyde, which made a lot of sense at the time. You know, he was a second round pick for the team. He's coming into his second year and he looked good in flashes. So they bring Hyde in and, you know, Hyde's been a good player. I wouldn't say he's been more than that. And I put out on Twitter stats. I wanted to compare Frank Gore to Carlos Hyde since 2015. And usually when I put stats out here, I, I purely put them out. I'm not saying anything either way. I just put them out and I want to see how the fans react to it. It was really interesting. And I'll, I'll tell you what it was. So since 2015, Frank Gore has played 47 games. So once he plays um, this upcoming weekend, it'll be 48. He's played every game for the last three years. He has 760 carries for 2,853 yards. He scored 13 touchdowns at 3.8 yards per carry. Carlos Hyde has not been as durable, although he certainly has been durable this season. But he's played 35 games, 557 carries, 2,308 yards, 15 touchdowns of 4.1 yards per carry. So it was interesting hearing the fans kind of go back and forth with this. And a majority of them said, hey, we shouldn't let Frank Gore go. While some people said, listen, you know, Gore was getting older and, you know, Hyde has been getting hit behind the line of scrimmage for, you know, two of the last three years and not sure Gore could have done that. And I think it goes back to this. Carlos Hyde is a, is a good player. He's a good player. He has 850 yards this year and he's averaging 3.8 yards per carry this year. I don't even know that I would say that those numbers are, are good. Anything under four yards per carry isn't good, but I do think Hyde overall is a good player. There were other issues why you know, Hyde maybe couldn't find running room, but um, he certainly, you look at this last game, 21 carries, 54 yards. It's not a good game. And, and Matt Burita came in and had a really good game. So you can say, do you want Carlos Hyde back? Well, maybe if he comes back cheap, but why would you pay anything more than bargain basement price for a running back for that kind of production? Can't the Niners get that production anywhere? And that's what I think about Hyde. Good player, yeah, but are you going to break the bank for him? I don't think so, because that kind of production, again, can come from a lot of places, and especially for a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who has a history of making late-round picks and no-name running backs into 1,000-yard rushers. And if, if they really do like Joe Williams, they may just go into next season and say, hey, him and Matt Breda could be a pretty good one-two punch, or they may take someone else in the draft. I don't know that they would take a running back in the first round, not completely against it. If you get someone like Saquon Barkley, who can, who can be a generational talent, you know, I think he could be that good, but it's a deep draft. I think at running back. So if you can get a good guard, good receiver there, I, I think you wait on that position, but getting back to Gore, listen, this guy, again, just every time you see something now um, in, in Niner fans, it's great. He's with the Colts, but everyone's still following him, finishing how he following, how he's doing. He is ending a hall of fame career. And I don't know that, Gore is going to get a chance to sign with anyone next year. He's in the, the last year of his deal with the Colts. And again, he's going to be 35 next year. I, I, I don't know what the market's going to be for a 35-year-old running back as much as he's still producing. Now, obviously, in, in, a, in a perfect world, I'd love to see him retire a 49er and come back here and mentor, you know, on maybe a you know, one-year million-dollar contract or whatever and mentor and get some carries and in, in finish his season in red and gold. That's probably not going to happen, but even if he doesn't play for anyone next year, Frank Gore is a hall of famer and he means a lot to 49er fans in his 10 years in San Francisco. He gained 11,073 yards for this team. He averaged 4.5 yards per carry. He was a shining light on an offense that was near the bottom of the league um, for pretty much every season. He was there except 2012. They finished 11th in total offense, but Teams knew they had to key in on Frank Gore, and Frank Gore was still there getting 1,000 yards every single season. 
you know, and sometimes I wonder what he could have done with a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo in a, in a good offensive line. Um, he probably could have even done more because he's such a good player. But even if his career does wind down through through week 16 of this of this season, and these guys got 13,926 yards. He's the fifth all-time leading rusher in NFL history. And the only guys that are ahead of him are the only other guys who have 14,000 yards, which is what he's closing in on. M. Smith, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Curtis Martin. That's ridiculous company. I mean, that's elite company. Anybody who says Frank Gore isn't a Hall of Famer doesn't know what they're talking about because he's also been one of the best blockers in NFL history, I think, in terms of picking up the blitz. He is outstanding. One of the, and you see it now, that's one of Hyde's the things that Carlos Hyde struggles with is, is, is picking up the blitz. He's, he's not as good at it as Gore is, and not a lot, a lot of running backs have been as good at that as Frank Gore. Frank Gore is amazing at, at picking up the blitz. And then you look at what Gore's done in the playoffs. You know, Gore had over 100 yards in the Super Bowl. His playoff performances were really good. So he came in and, and he upped his game when the lights were the brightest. So he succeeded at every part in terms of his NFL career. And, and it was a career that, listen, he came into the league. He had two knee injuries. He had two shoulder surgeries, I believe one after his rookie season in San Francisco. How many players have come back from that, from two knee surgeries, from two shoulder surgeries? And this guy is playing every week. And like I mentioned earlier, he's played every game the last three years at 32, 33, and 34 years old on a Colts team that has no offensive line whatsoever. You know, when he's carrying the ball over 250 times a year, it's it's incredible. And he's an incredible player, an incredible running back. And I just, I really wanted to say some words about him because as he's winding down in what could be the twilight of his career, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. And he's probably one of two guys, when you look at that Niners run, 2011, 2012, 2013, I think there's two Hall of Famers on that team. And Patrick Willis, to me, is a surefire Hall of Famer. And I don't want to hear about him only playing seven and a half years. The guy was is an elite inside linebacker, as we've seen. And he deserves to get in. If Terrell Davis can get in playing the amount of seasons he did, Patrick Willis can get in. He's a Hall of Famer. And I think Frank Gore is the other guy. And I believe both these guys should have their numbers retired by the 49ers. You know, the 49ers don't retire a ton of numbers. But Willis and Gore deserve that. They're all-time 49ers. They're Hall of Fame players. And just legend, legends of the game, in my opinion. So that's what I want to share on Frank. Just wanted to say some words about him. I know he means a lot to 49ers fans. So hope you enjoyed the show. Again, Zane will be back on our next show. Enjoy the game, and we will talk to you soon.